Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I am Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damien Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. And today, if I sound a little bit weird, it's because I have just moved house and uh, I've lost internet connection. I don't know. I don't understand why companies take five to ten business days to connect your internet. So I've gone back to uh, the paleo days of using a hard telephone line. So that's why I sound a bit weird. <laughs> With copper cabling, it's amazing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's, it just ties in exactly what we're going to talk about. Are you surviving today. okay, Lawrence? Oh, it's, it's, it's tough, to be honest with you, Bruno. It's, uh, it's tough without internet. I've been unplugged for about three or four days now, um, you know, only spending a <laughs> bit of time to, to check the internet, uh, which is good. It's been good. It's good detox, actually, to unplug from the, from the world of online <laughs> stuff. So I'm sure I'll have thousands of emails to respond to once I get my email <laughs> sorted out when I, once I get connected to the world. <laughs> So, but today, everybody, we're going to be talking about how you can move, need, how you need to move your butt, basically. We're going to be talking about movement. Get your butt out of the way. That's yeah, what yeah, pretty about. much. Yeah. So, and uh, we're going to be talking about, and for multiple things, we're going to talk about why we need to move, uh, because we haven't done that for a long time, and so we're going to focus on basically some exercise, and, uh, you know, especially those comparing our, the days back in the caveman days into what we are, the sedentary lifestyle that we live now and uh, what's wrong with it. So let's start uh, talking about uh, what are some of the scientific things of our understanding neurologically, why we need to move. Mm. Well, movement is really important. Um, we know that, that when you move your body, um, as you said, neurologically, it actually fires off some nerve endings in your body, um, and particularly in your spine. About 80% of these nerve fibers are in your spine. They're called proprioceptive fibers. And what we know is that when you move them, um, it fires off messages that go back up to your brain um, that can actually have a really huge impact on your overall health and your overall well-being. So people often think about movement and they think about sort of more exercise, how that impacts on their heart health, um, how that impacts on their muscle mass, which affects their overall health. You know, they think about those really tangible things about movement and the, the sort of obvious benefits you get from it. Um, but sometimes they forget about the, the core wellness benefits that you can get from movement. So that stimulation of the nervous system fires messages that back up to your brain. And it's actually the way your body de-stresses. So it helps to release dopamine and serotonin in your brain, which are your body's sort of de-stressing chemicals. It helps switch off that stress response in your brain, um, which we know is linked to chronic disease. You know, it's linked to strokes and cancers and diabetes and heart disease and all sorts of different stuff. So, so movement from a from a core, you know, neurological wellness perspective is really super important. Um, you probably got some more to add to that, Damo? Oh, look, brother, you know, in five or six sentences, I think you covered off the whole lot. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so good. But I think one of the... <laughs> yeah, pssst, that's it. One of the things, though, that you, you touched on, which is really, really good, and um, and it's the afferent flow. It's the, it's the information coming back up into the brain that's really... that governs this change and this ability to switch off and to de-stress and to de-inflammatorize the body, I suppose. Uh, and what we do know these days, and we know now just recently with uh, new research coming out, is that sitting down and being sedentary is actually pro-inflammatory. Uh, and that's primarily because of exactly what you just described there, Brett. When you don't get that afferent flow or that flow coming from 
the outside of your body, so your skin, all the way up through your nervous system into your brain. When you don't have that going enough, your body shuts down, goes into bad postures and shuts down poor breathing, um, and so on and so forth. You know, so many things take place, which of course we'll talk about tonight. But um, you know, it's it's as much as um, having an impulse into the little toe as it is having an impulse into the spine uh, as it is to have an impulse into uh, through your digestive system it's all about these little little chunks of information that come into the body that alter your body's expression within the environment which we're going to be talking about tonight yeah it's important and, and i reckon this is something that we probably all see in practice where you know i find that people often think that the worst people in terms of their overall health and their spine function and those sort of things people think the worst people are going to be people who are up and about who are really active you know they've got a really sort of laborious job where they're doing lots of hard work all day um mm. but what i'm seeing more and more people coming into the practice is that it's actually the people who are literally sitting still all day doing nothing that yeah, are the ones that are looking right. really bad are yeah. you guys finding that too Definitely, definitely. I think yeah. the best analogy I've heard, and you guys can correct me on this, um, it's the uh, the Nobel Prize winner. I think it's Robert Sherry. I can't remember his last name, but he talked about how the spine has contains um, all these mechanical receptors, which obviously stimulate the spine, which we've been talking, or stimulate the brain, which we've been talking about. But he describes it as the windmill. Um, the spine is like the windmill to the brain, which means like generates all yeah, this energy I and power to the brain. And, uh, you know, that's why... I have a feeling you know, it might be Roger Sperry. That's right, that's right. I knew it was, I mean, I knew it was an R and S as initial. <laughs> Got that right. Um, and it, it just, it, the, the amazing part about that is that, you know, he, he researched this and, and, and really indicating how the brain gets all this information from the spine. And, and a lot of people think chiropractors, you know, we're all chiropractors in this case, but and mo most people think chiropractors work on the spine because that's where, you know, the back pain is, neck pain, but that's not really the truth. The truth is that we focus on the nervous system that's in the spine. It just happens to be in the spine, spinal column, and that has all the access to the information to the brain that stimulates the brain that, you know, what, we, what Brett just lists off, you know, how these, you know, calms your body down, stimulate the brain properly, and, and all of that, and that's why chiropractors work so much on the spine. Yeah, and I reckon uh, Damien and I were at a seminar recently in Melbourne that was fantastic. A guy, I believe his name was Michael Hall, Damien, is that correct? Yeah. And he was fantastic, but one of the little snippets that he said in that seminar I thought was fantastic is that he said the chiropractors can really help the spine to move, but once you've done that, you've still got to move. And I thought that was yeah. great, and that's really what we're going to talk about today is that, that, that it's great to have a great functioning spine, but if you still have to move it. And that's what we're going to talk about today is that movement and why that movement is just so important to your body. Um, and so I reckon we can start by talking about why our body, why our body requires this movement. Um, and essentially it's because our bodies evolved in an environment where this movement was an everyday occurrence. So, you know, we know that our bodies evolved over millions of years to be perfectly suited to the environment that, that, that they were in. Mm -hmm. And the environment they were in was, once again, I know you guys like paying me out about my hunter-gatherer stuff, but it, but it is that hunter-gatherer <laughs> environment. So, you know, it's about, you know, having an understanding of the sort of movements that they would have been doing. So, you know, if you're a hunter-gatherer, your average day, you know, you don't get to wake up and think, gee, do I really feel like exercising today? You know, it's like, oh, I don't really feel like it today. I might just take a day off, right? Because if you take a day off, you don't eat or you get eaten. <laughs> so you have to move, right? Yeah, every day is going to involve hunting. It's going to involve climbing. It's going to involve um, foraging, you know, 
uh, picking stuff. It's going to probably involve walking long distances. Um, often it would involve dancing as part of that, you know, that society routine. So, you know, all this incredible amount of movement is just an absolute normal, natural part of everyday life. And that's what our, that's the environment our bodies evolved in. So that's really what our bodies require in order to move well. That explains why you dance so much, hey, brother. I do like to dance, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and without alcohol. We actually had this chat tonight. Yes. Uh, you know, so many people uh, need a bit of uh, limbering up, you know, a bit of uh, limbering juice. And, yep. um, and Bretto, we said that November the 1st was your sixth anniversary without a drop of alcohol. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Yeah, aside, aside from two very small drops of alcohol at my grandparents' funerals, I had two, a little sip at the toast there at, at, on each occasion. But aside from that, there's been nothing for six years. And I do have to say, the first time I did dance sober was an interesting experience. <laughs> it, is a, it is a weird experience, isn't it? To, to, yeah, after yeah, that, I was good to go. Yeah. One, one go to get used to it, and then I was okay. Yeah. Well, it's been 11 years sober for me, so I think there's only one more wellness guy to do uh, to, to let go of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's uh, change the subject yeah. now. So, it's, uh... <laughs> so, so, so on those movements, you know, when we look at the uh, the different sort of movements, there's a there's a guy by the name of Paul Check who does some fantastic uh, movements and exercise stuff. He's written some great books. I know I've got a couple in my practice. Um, and he talks about the primal movement patterns. Um, and so he talks about six core movements that were involved in those primal movement patterns. Uh, and they were squatting, um, they were bending, um, which includes things like uh, deadlifts, those sort of things, so um, lifting. Um, yep. They included lunging, pushing, pulling, twisting, and gait. So so yep. those were kind of the core movements, you know. And they're really simple movements, but they're also really complex movements in that they use the whole body we spoke about this a little bit in our functional movement uh, podcast that we did. They use that whole body. They use all those different muscles in conjunction. Um, so, so that gives you a bit of an idea of the sort of movement that might have been, uh, you know, as he calls it, primal. Might have been back in the paleo caveman days. We might have been doing. Well, those are the movements that were, you know, they needed to do in order to survive, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, if you look at Paul Check stuff, the squatting is to, to make fire. You know, that's how they used to squat and make fire, to, to start the fire. You know, the bending is when they actually were able to lift um, things like logs and build, you know, their shelter. Um, yeah. Lunges to get down, to actually lift um, their animals, their kill, over rocks and, and, and stuff through the forest. And um, the pushing is pushing the rocks through and moving and building shelter. Pulling is pulling their animal. And twisting is throwing the spear. You know, True. all of these movements are primal movements because that's what we needed to engage all these different types of muscles to to get to what we need to do to survive. But that hasn't changed. That's that's one thing that's mm. really, really important. Mm. That hasn't changed even through to today. Uh, you know, if, if you think about all the things that we still do, we still squat, you know. Um, some people might squat more than others depending on the culture. Um, but we still do squat down to do different, you know, different things. We bend yeah. forward to pick up a pen or a piece of paper. But how many people do we know that have blown a disc in their back because they bent over to pick up a, you know, a, a safety pin or something, you know. It's not like a really heavy thing. It's just it's a functional primal movement that many people don't do enough of. Subsequently, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back when they go down to pick up something really, really light. Lunging, for example, it's something that we probably should do more of. But lunging to tie up a shoelace, for example, you know, often we'll sit down on a table, on a chair, and we'll bend down and disengage all muscles just to become flopsy, you know, floppy, and then do up our shoelace. You know, a lunge would be appropriate. Pushing, 
uh, you know, quite often you see mothers pushing prams around. You see, um, or even fathers pushing the door open. That's right, um, pushing their mates around or whatever. You know, <laughs> but uh, you know, pushing. We still use it. We still do it. Pulling. You know, there's there's so many instances in the day where you'll be pulling. You might pull a chair in or pull a chair out or pull. You know, all you know. There's these sort of things. Twisting. How often do we do we know where there's people who have lifted something and twisted at the same time, um, and done an injury? And much of the problem actually stems from actually being inactive or sedentary mm-hmm. in a position of, I suppose, just sitting in a in a, in a supporting environment where we don't actually need to engage any muscles really because the chairs do all the work for us these days. So if, and for too long. So that sedentary lifestyle sets up a lack of movement across all of those primal movements and we end up in trouble. Mm. And a lot of these stems actually from when, when you're a baby as well, you know, like, because these primal movements are actually developed when, when a child goes through the stages. You know, my, you know, my little one's sort of going through this crawling stage at the moment. And, you know, all crawling is, you know, really that stage of engaging different muscles and, act, you know, getting active. And when, they learn, when he learns how to stand and walk, all that stuff engages those muscles. But some kids are so delayed now. I've seen that often in my practice that these kids are delayed in their movement patterns because the parents don't stimulate them. They don't actively exercise with them and play with them. They just sort of prop them in front of a TV or, mm-hmm. you know, put into a, a, a chair or jump, jolly jumper, which is the worst thing you can do and just sit them there and they don't actively engage those muscles to learn um, to develop those muscle patterns. And it stems from yeah. there and they get weak and then as they grow up, they get weaker and weaker and, and then they sit in an office chair and, and watch and stare in front of a computer all day. And, you know, a great example of just how natural this is, is uh, I went to an open day at, uh, at my gym when my son was probably about two years old and, uh, and you know, he's rocked up to this open day and there was this little you know, tiny little medicine ball sitting there in the corner and he's obviously decided that looks like fun. He might go play with it. <laughs> and he's just picked it up and he's just done this absolute perfect squat with like this amazing technique. And I'm looking at him thinking, you know, I've been coming to this gym for three years trying to learn how to do a squat right. <laughs> you know, trying to get the technique fine-tuned and get it right. And he's just done it perfect first time. It was just so natural. It was awesome. It was so cool to see. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> it is. It's a primitive movement and, you know, the same word, primal. It's, uh, it's just so important, isn't it? And to get back to all that sort of thing. But, uh, and I think, you know, Brett, many people are, are talking about um, ways in which we can re-engage with the environment. And, you know, we spoke, I think, oh, was it a couple of podcasts ago, where we spoke of you using the barefoot running techniques and those sorts of things, which yeah. obviously take it a step further beyond just the six primal movements, but to actually engage proprioception uh, yeah. at the soles of your feet. Absolutely. Well, it probably comes into the sixth one, which is the gait. So it's about getting that that walking, running, jogging action right. And and I think um, you know going into that barefoot movement pattern, um, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. It's really hard to get that walking, running, jogging technique right um, mm-hmm. in our modern shoes. They just don't allow for that normal, natural movement and gait. So uh, yeah, that certainly comes into it too. Yeah. Um, so I reckon what we've got to do, I think, though, is what we're talking about here is we're really talking about the movement. And I reckon there's probably a lot of people sitting and listening to this who have, you know, a nine-to-five office job who are sitting there thinking, well, how does this apply to me? Like, I mean, I, you know, I have to be at work during the day. I have to sit down for, you know, so many hours a day to get my work done. Um, you know, how does this apply to me? How do I sort of, um, I guess, what can I do to incorporate movement into, you know, wh- where do I draw the line? How do I still keep my job but, you know, get some movement in there as well? Mm-hmm. Well, 
Good. You, you answer this one, Lawrence. You kick off here. Well, I, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, I, I ask a lot of my clients and I ask them, so, you know, you know, make sure you move. I tell them that you should move. And I ask them, do you actually move when you say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, got, I go to the toilet once every couple of hours or, you know, I go pick up the facts and, you know, every hour or so. But the thing is, is that that's not enough. You know, our body's designed to move a lot more. And um, I, I think one, one of the things I recommend for my clients is that they need to get out of that chair. Every, my recommendation is at least every 10 minutes to every 15 minutes because, you know, once you start moving, and it's, I'm not talking about getting up and walk around for 15 minutes. All I'm saying is get out of the chair and you can still do your work. Just stand up and just move a little bit. Move your legs for even 30 seconds. If you do 30 seconds every 15 minutes, that's only really, you know, two minutes in an hour. So it's not a lot of time. You're not, like, wasting time. I'd rather you see you move 30 seconds every 15 minutes than taking a five-minute break every hour. You know, because I think there's this thing called creep. Over time, what happens is that it's an exponentially um, pressure that goes on your spine and your body and actually gets worse and worse over time. In about half an hour, it actually puts so much pressure on your, on your body that it actually creates a, a great deal more stress over a period of time, where if you broke it up at 15 minutes or 10 minutes, you actually change that pattern. And that's what I really recommend that everybody do it every 10, 15 minutes. Now, if you're watching television at night time, don't want to sit there and watch the whole show. You know, every commercial break, stand up, move around, do some stretches, and uh, go get a drink of water. Those are the things that I recommend for for clients, just as a general rule. Yeah, and you know, if there are if there are bosses listening to this, or if there are you know employees listening to this that want to tell their boss that it's okay for them to get up and move around, what they should be understanding is that as soon as you do that movement, it actually helps to stimulate the brain. Um, so that mm. movement stimulates the brain and it actually means that that employee is going to be more productive or, you know, you and your daily life are going to be more productive for that rest of the time. So even though you're spending that little bit of time moving, it's going to make you a more productive employee or a more productive whatever it is you do, you know, housewife, a more productive father <laughs> to actually just get up and just have that little bit of movement as well. That's that's so true. And I mean, the whole resetting, the stimulation of the dopamine serotonin receptors within the brain um, throughout the whole of the nervous system, in fact, you know, alters that whole thing. But remember, I think might have even been in the third podcast that we did, guys, we spoke about the effect of half an hour of exercise, just walking every single day, decreases the effect of stress on your body by about 50%. Mm. And uh, that's, a, that's an incredibly massive effect on the body. If you just think about if it was just the one thing that you did, the one primal movement, which was just gait, walking. Yeah. Uh, if it was just that that you did, you'd decrease the effect of stress on your body by 50%. But of course, if you incorporate other things as part of that, which becomes more functional, so it could be that you take a ball with you and you throw it, um, which is you know the twisting movement, uh, and, but you have to pick it up every single time. You don't kick it, so you actually have to you know lunge down to pick it up or bend down to pick it up or squat down to pick it up. You're actually creating a functional movement in that half an hour of exercise that you might do on a daily basis. One of the things I like to do with, uh, with the people that I see in my practice, my, my practice members, uh, is suggest to them that when they get the opportunity, and it's just two or three times a day, just to get up out of their chair and just do a, um, a hip flexor stretch, uh, which incorporates the lunge and the twist, uh, but also incorporates the bending um, and the squat. It incorporates all of that just to really stretch out the uh, the hip flexor, the psoas muscle. And I just ask them to do it for 20 seconds, two or three times a day, both sides. So, you know, that sort of thing. And many people comment on how much of a difference that actually makes. Yeah, good one, Jamie. And, and so then I think people also need to start thinking, 
talking about when they're not at work. You know, at the end of the day, at the start of the day, during your lunch break, what other stuff you can do? Because um, I think a lot of the time, um, you know, whilst I think it's important to set time aside for exercise and doing some functional movement patterns, um, it's also important that you start incorporating it into your daily life as well. Um, you know, I think there's this classic thing in our society where people, you know, take the take the escalator up to the gym. You know, it's like we we actually don't take the opportunities when we've got them in our daily life to get some exercise and to and to do that and it can be just the simplest things you know it's literally you know the the old one of just taking the stairs at work or it's you know instead of driving around the car park for 50 minutes trying to get that car park right next to the door you know just take one of those million car parks that are miles away from the door and just have that 5 or 10 minute walk in um, and actually enjoy that. You know, you don't have the stress of trying to find the car park. You find an easy car park, you stroll in, you stroll back out. You know, just take the opportunities as they arise to get that little bit of exercise into your daily life. And that adds up. You know, that actually builds up to be a lot of exercise each and every single day. Um, so it's really worthwhile. And it's something that if you're just that little bit conscious about, it's really not going to cost you any time. You're not even going to notice the effort, but it's going to make a big difference to the amount of movement you're getting every day. Mm. Definitely. I mean, also from an ergonomics point of view, um, it, you know, just reducing some of the strain that you put in your body and sitting on a computer station is, is a great way to also reduce the amount of, um, I guess, uh, nociception, what we call the sort of stimulant irritation that goes on to the brain. I mean, things like, for example, having the computer height, the monitor, making sure it's at the right height. You know, if it's too low and you're looking down the whole time, your head is dropping forward, which means it's like the weight of a bowling ball. And so you know the, the weight of a bowling ball, if you carry the bowling ball further away from your body, it's actually getting heavier, even though the ball doesn't change. And all that strain is on that muscle in your neck. And that could create a lot of problems into that, uh, and obviously in, in, the upper, in the neck and the upper, upper thoracic spine. So oftentimes it's you know, putting your monitor in the right height, which should be at eye level, top of the screen, not, not top of the monitor, top of the screen, should be at the level of your eyes. Um, things like a mouse, most people forget. That everybody who uses a mouse always has their mouse forward and away from them. And that's a huge strain on the shoulder. Bring it close to you. Your elbow should be at 90 degrees and your wrist should be at, you know, perpendicular to the floor. Uh, so your wrist should be perpendicular to the floor. And that would reduce the amount of strain. So you should be working within that area. Now, it's a bit hard for most people because most people's keyboard has a number pad on the right-hand side. And that prevents the mouse being sort of in that, prevents your elbow being in 90 degrees. So what I suggest is the people who work on the mouse a lot more than the keyboard, shift the keyboard over. You can move that keyboard. It doesn't have to be stationary. <laughs> move it over to the left and move the mouse right to the position where you need it to be so that it, it reduces the strain. Um, another thing, too, for office workers is the, the, your feet on the floor. You know, both feet should be on the floor in a comfortable level. If, you're, if you can't reach the floor, then your chair is too high or grab something. Grab the yellow pages that you never use anyways and plop it on the bottom so that your feet are perpendicular. I'm sorry, and at a 90 degree angle uh, so that you can take that strain off your lower back and also on the hips. Yeah. Great points. They're, they're really good points. You know, I, I see people going and spending, you know, $69 on a leather chair from Officeworks, for example. Um, it has really ordinary padding on the, on the backside and really ordinary support for the lumbar spine. Um, it's held together with two bolts and, um, and I think they're doing a pretty good job. Now, bearing in mind that many people spend sometimes up to five or six hours sitting down on this chair every single day, taking into consideration getting up, standing, uh, you know, standing around or walking around, visiting somebody else in the office space, 
Um, it's not a, a very wise investment to spend $69 on a chair that doesn't really offer you the support ergonomically that uh, you would otherwise require for good health. Mm. Uh, you, you know, certainly you need arm adjusters, you need uh, height adjusters, you need lumbar support. When you're rocking forward or rocking back, you need that lumbar support still to be there. Um, for a number of reasons, just that sensation in the lumbar spine actually triggers your proprioceptive um, uh, proprioceptive signals, I, I've, I've mucked it up, but your proprioception uh, in the spine to be able to tell your body where in space it actually is. But without it there, you're actually disengaging muscles and not even knowing that you're turning off the small muscles within your back, which is the multipitous, which protects your spine in the nervous system. Uh, so yeah, that little bit of lumbar sport makes a huge difference. So investing money in a great chair is, uh, is, is certainly worth it, you know, whether it be $300 or $200 or $600, a high-quality chair will make the world of difference. Definitely. And, you know, if people don't want to use a chair, they can use a football. You know, a football allows you to, forces you to engage those muscles, especially those um, core muscles to, you know, and you core muscles in the back and the stomach, but also allows you to keep on moving as well in order to engage those um, sort of those primal movements that we talked about earlier and get them stronger as well, even when you're sitting. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, it's worthwhile thinking about what you're doing when you're not at work as well. Because um, often, you know, nowadays you see a lot of officers who are pretty well set up ergonomically. Um, you know, they've had people come in and do assessments and make sure the keyboard's at the right height, and the monitor's at the right height, and, you know, whether they've maintained that over time, they may not have. But, um, you know, we see it, I think, a lot more at work. Uh, but then people get home. And then they're quite happy to sort of slouch right down into the really comfy couch and, um, you know, slump right forward and have the head right forward and, you know, not necessarily be looking after themselves or even thinking about it when they're at home. Um, so it's important as well to think about what you're doing when you're at home too. Um, so are you just coming home and slumping down and sitting in the one spot on the couch and not moving for hours at a time? Um, or are you staying a bit more active when you're at home too? because um, that's really important. So make sure you take all those same principles you're thinking about when you're at work and apply them to the home space as well. Mm. Yeah, and don't okay. forget about those long-distance drives too as well. I mean, I yeah. get that a lot, especially in WA. Everybody has to drive like <laughs> two, three hours to get to anywhere. <laughs> you know, no, just so, you, just you. Yeah, just me. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to be in a car for three hours, you know, make yeah. sure you set up your drive that you're going to get out of the car once in a while. I'm not saying, you know, you're going to get out of the car every 15 minutes, but, you know, maybe every hour, hour and a half, you should be getting up and just have a stretch. Go for a full range of movement, stretch, bend down, touch your toes, hold on, you know, lean back, move your spine so that uh, you're actually getting some active movements. There's no reason why you can't be sitting in a car uh, and doing pelvic tilts. I know it seems weird, but no one can no one can see you anyway. <laughs> you know, I just move that butt really back and forth, rocking and pretend you're doing something funky, but, uh, you know, it's, it just really gets that spine moving, and that's what prevents um, sort of those problems that people experience, especially in those long-distance drives. Yeah, and that's that's really important, particularly for people who are reps, you know, sales reps who spend a lot of their day in their car driving around. Mm. Um, and one of the things I always tell them is I say, look, get into your car, get your seat up nice and straight. You want to sit yourself up in really good posture, up nice and tall, you know, head back, shoulders back and down. And then what you do is once you've got yourself into that great position, adjust all of your mirrors. And what that means is as you go through the day, every time you start to slump and lose that good posture, 
you get reminded of it as soon as you jump up and try and look in the mirror because you actually can't see what you want to see in the mirror and it makes you sit back up into a nice straight posture again um, so that's a really good tip for people who are spending lots of time in their car is use those mirrors to, to guide you get in that great posture adjust the mirrors and you'll have to sit up straight to look in them yeah that's a great point that's a great idea well guys that's uh that's there's a lot of tips <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of information. I think, uh, for, I think the best thing, the couple of two things that I got out of all of that is first being aware, you know, being aware that you need to move and being aware that you've been sitting for a long period of time and you need to get up. So either sit up on Outlook or something on your computer system that has a reminder every so often to beep at you or your mobile phone or something to, to kind of let you know. And number two, I think it's, it's important is just to move your butt. <laughs> just do something. Get out of your chair or do something. Get your body moving because that's and get your body active. I think those are the two main points that we're trying to get at. And there's plenty of suggestions there. And I think you can uh, definitely get some some points and, and make a list for yourself and, and make sure you do them every day. So as always, uh, make sure you join us each week on thewellnessguys.com. Leave the comments below each episode and tell us what you think. You'll like us on Facebook especially and, and we've been getting heaps of comments um, from people and lots of questions which has been great. Uh, thank you for following. Thank you for those you know devoted followers that have been uh, you know getting you know telling everybody out there and and really thank you for all the health practitioners out there. You know all the chiropractors, all the naturopaths um, all the, everybody who's been passing it on to their clients because, you know, that's, you know, who we're trying to, to really help is those people who really require our help in terms of wellness. So thank you very much. And uh, don't forget us on Twitter and sign up for notice on each episode and download, download us on iTunes as well. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world's health together. So join us next week on the Wellness Guy Show.